Hi, this is Bob Salvatore, and you're listening to the Grim Tidings Podcast. It's so dark, even Dritz needs a flashlight. You're listening to the Grim Tidings Podcast, R.A. Salvatore, Part 2. I'm your host, Rob Matheny. And I'm Philip Overby. And Philip, we are back to complete, to conclude the epic interview with our good friend, our bestie, our BFF, Bob Salvatore. Hopefully you've got a chance to check out part one. Uh, he is on the Archmage book tour. I think it's just about wrapping up, but if you wanted to pick up your copy, Archmage is available in stores everywhere, courtesy of Wizards of the Coast. Uh, but in part two of our chat, we hit on publishing. We talk about self-publishing. We talk about piracy. And we also have a lightning round in there as well. Uh, we are giving away two copies of Archmage. Be sure to listen at the end of the show and we will give you details on how to win your copy. Now, Philip, you've been uh, reading some uh, R.A. Salvatore since our conversation? Uh, actually, I've been listening to some R.A. Salvatore oh, okay. because I got some on Audible. And uh, I have his short story collection that they released a couple of years ago that features an all-star cast. And it's really in- entertaining to listen to all the different actors doing the voices for the characters and such. I finished the Felicia Day story and it was really entertaining to her doing all the voices for the dwarves and goblins and stuff. And I also got the Crystal Shard, which uh, it's been years uh, since I read the earlier Dritz books. So I wanted to go back in time and relive the experience. And it's very enjoyable so far. And I'm getting more into audiobooks. I think we discussed a little bit about audiobooks in this episode as well, but uh, I'm never going to abandon books in general, so I'll still be reading far, far into my ripe old age. <laughs> How was that iced tea story as well? I haven't got to that one yet, wow. but I'm looking, I'm looking forward to that one. <laughs> We're going to give you the interview here, part two of our conversation with R.A. Salvatore. Um, it's only about 25 minutes, so give it a listen. And then at the end, we'll tell you how you can win your copy of Archmage. So here you have part number two of the one and only legendary fantasy author, R.A. Salvatore. Switching gears and talking about the publishing industry, Philip and I uh, often have uh, discussions about publishing uh, here on the show. We talk about self-publishing, definitely a myriad of conversations that take place. You've been in the industry for years. Could you maybe give us your kind of bird's eye perspective of maybe how the industry has transformed over the span of your career and maybe where you see it headed? Well, you guys probably know more about this than I do about where it's headed, but I would not want to be a starting author now. Um, it's always been hard to be published. It's probably harder now in the traditional sense than it ever has been before or than it has been in many years. When I started writing, you would go into slush piles, you would suffer through rejection letters, you would just keep being persistent, you would try to hone your craft, maybe do a couple of short stories if you could get that. that was, I didn't go that route because I got the audition with TSR. But it was really hard. And if you didn't get in, then you were kind of out of luck because they had vanity and subsidy presses where you could publish your own books, but you were looking at an upfront cost of ten to twenty thousand dollars. Because this was in the first of all, there were no e-books, and these were in the day. These were the days when to change a printing press over to a book was a monumental task. 
everything was done with plates. And so if you were going to print less than 10,000 books, your cost per unit made it impossible. So you had to print, you know, 10,000 books. And what are you going to do with them if you're a self-publishing author? What are you going to do with them? That's a pretty big garage full of books. Yeah. So back then, the idea of self-publishing was really for people who had a very specialty specialty item for a group like a college college professors could do it if they were selling it for a class or people who were writing about a certain area that the, or the boy scouts wanted it or whatever and you had to be very specific or you just weren't going to be able to do it so if the publishers didn't take your work you were you were out of luck it was that simple you weren't getting you weren't getting through that hopper and into the into the publishing machine now of course anyone can publish anyone can publish a book you can do a 10,000 word info dump that has no characters anyone cares about and publish it on Kindle Direct or Nook or whatever ebook formats. Or you can go and have it printed on demand somewhere. Anyone can publish a book. So it's much easier to get published. However, there's so many people doing it that it's much harder if you do that to get noticed. Just as it's harder today for publishers to break the traditional publishers to break authors out than it used to be. It's much harder today to do that because there's so much noise. It's almost impossible and you really have to you have to spend more time marketing I think than writing to have a chance. I mean it happens, but it doesn't happen that often. And so, you know, you go and you spend six months of your life or whatever and you write a book and you put it up and you sell, you know, a couple hundred copies. And, you know, at this point, you better have a lot of free time on your hand if you want to keep doing it because you're just not going to make any money at it. Where do I see it going? I think I think I see it going. I think there'll be less. The noise will kind of filter itself out over time. I think that's already happened a little bit, where people would just put their books up and and really underprice them at like ninety nine cents or whatever on Amazon or whatever. And the readers, and this is the thing that scares me, the readers would say, "Oh, look at this! this they're giving this book away for free, or this book's only fifty cents. I think I'll buy it." <laughs> you know, and and a lot of times you're getting what you paid for because these are people who maybe didn't have the money to hire editors, and everybody needs an editor, or maybe there's a gem in the in the pile there, but most of them aren't going to be gems. It, it, that's just simple truth because there's there's been no editorial process that has helped teach the person how to write a novel that makes sense and it's a hard thing to do so you know then the reader reads these books and the reader is like i can't put down and i gotta get another one i don't like this one either i get another i don't like this one either and people say (laughs) you know i used to love reading but i just don't get the same thrill out of it anymore and so that's a dangerous thing definitely and the other part of that is that one thing i think is really coming up now is audiobooks and People are multitasking. People are busier than they've ever been. People are certainly busier now than they were when I was young. And they're distracted all the time. And so audiobooks are making huge leaps and bounds. And and that I'm actually surprised because ebooks have become much more popular than I ever thought. I thought they'd have a nice, you know, piece of the market at about twenty percent or whatever, but they're much bigger than that now. And there's no no sign that they're gonna slow down. I hope there will always be books. But and then another thing I think we've lost to the bookstores. You know, if you went into a bookstore and the people in there were book lovers and, and they knew you were reading something, they would guide you to other books that they thought you would like and they were usually right. But we've lost that now. I mean, there's still some great bookstores out there. Mysterious Galaxy, Tattered Cover, Aunties. I mean, these are the ones, I'm, some of the ones I'm doing on my tour. People at the Barnes and Nobles have been wonderful. Um, you know, so there are still plenty of, of 
good bookstores out there, but not compared to what there used to be. I mean, when I first started touring, I'd go on the road and I'd go into a town, I'd get picked up and I'd go to the mall because we do the drop-in signings before my event. And in the mall, there would be a Walden Books, a B. Dalton's, maybe a Brentano's or a Crown, maybe an independent store, mom and pop store. Outside the mall would be a Borders and a B. Dalton's. So at one stop, I would hit like four to six stores and sign their back stock. And you just can't do that anymore because there aren't four to six stores. Right. I was down in the D.C. area. We spent five hours driving and went to three Barnes and Nobles because that was it. There just wasn't anything else around that had the books. So I think that's a huge loss because I don't think people are impulse buying books the way they used to. You know, you used to go in the mall at Christmas time. You'd be walking around the mall trying to figure out gifts. You'd say, ah, maybe there's something in the bookstore. Now you're in the bookstore. Now you're browsing. You walk out of there with a few books. And then the other thing that's really hurt the industry, and I, I, I know this is going to get some people angry when I'm saying it because I've had these conversations with people, is, is I really think pirating has is, is, is really hurt the industry. It's not like music. You know, with music, people would pirate songs to listen to, whatever. But they generally, I mean, it takes a minute, uh, three minutes, four minutes, five minutes to listen to a song. So if they liked it, they'd want to listen to it again and again and again and again, and they'd go buy it. So I think the music industry was able to work around that type of a, of a problem and actually flourish. I don't think the book industry will, and I don't think it will for several reasons. First, to read a book is an investment of time, six hours, eight hours, 10 hours, 12 hours, depending on how fast you read. And second of all, you know, just because of that investment of time, how many books are you going to actually purchase in your life? With music, you could purchase thousands of songs. You're not going to read thousands of books. The average person isn't going to read thousands of books. So when I find a site and, and a, a fan of mine uh, actually got in touch with my wife through R.A. Salva store, my, my online bookstore, and told my wife about a site in Germany that was pirating my books. I think it was Germany. And um, they went and looked and you could see the counter and you would basically join the site and then everything was free. And they had downloaded 80,000 copies of my book. Wow. It's killing the industry. The margins have always been tough on books. And people don't understand that the, the physical book itself is a very small. I get, I get emails all the time. Why are ebooks almost as expensive as novels? Or sometimes, you know, they're the same price or even more, depending on. The, that's all done by the retailer. The cost of producing a book between the author, the editors, and it's more than one ed editor. You need an editor, you need a copy editor, and you probably want a third set of eyes. The people that design the cover, the marketing people, the cost of producing a book isn't the book isn't the physical book that's on a hardcover book that's like a that's like a dollar out of the 28 dollars right so that's why ebooks cover the cost because they're not paying for the physical book they're paying for everything else right so people get mad and then they go to some of these sites that then get the book for free and they download the book for free well when you do that the publishers start cutting back on editors and they start paying artists less and they don't hire the top artists to do the covers and promising authors who are, who are just getting in and are kind of hanging on by their fingertips as they're hoping that their books catch on aren't going to get any money. They're not going to get anywhere near the amount of money they need to keep doing it as a living. And it drives them out of the business or drives them into a point where they're writing very, very part time because they need a full time job or more than a full time job just to make a living like everybody else. So I'm glad I got in when I did because I was able to go by the traditional route but the people becoming authors today it's it's so much harder it's going to be harder to break out and it's going to be harder to make a living at it when you do so i don't know that's that's my soapbox i guess on it 
where it's going, who knows? My fear is that it's going to go to shorter fiction because people are going to be reading on their iPhones and their Androids and everything, and it's hard to read a novel in that format. And that's a fear for me because I think if we lose the novel as an art form, we lose an awful lot as a society in terms of being able to critically think. Because a novel, a good novel, is a logical progression, beginning, middle, and end. And what happens at the end is foreshadowed in different places or is a logical conclusion to conflicts set up during the book and the character arc set up during the book. And that's, it's a way of thinking that I think is important as you go through your day and through your life. So I would hate to lose it. We would hate to, we would hate to lose any, any art form for sure, yeah. <laughs> especially novels. Cause I know Rob and I, we, we read lots of novels and I'm kind of a Kindle junkie where I'm constantly downloading stuff and, uh, actually going to download, uh, Homeland because I haven't read that in many years and I saw it was on sale and uh, I was like oh cool Homeland I haven't read that in forever <laughs> I, need, yeah, I need to read that I. yeah it's definitely a difficult topic and I know some people are yeah you definitely had some uh, profound comments uh, in, in regards to piracy you know uh, at least for musicians, uh, when, after they release an album, because they don't make any money on CD sales anymore, they can at least hit the road and, and gig. And, and now ticket prices have gone up for, for events, for concerts, because that's where they need to make their money now. For authors, you guys don't really have a chance to, to hit the road and read your book live. There's no alternative method. Your income is based on selling units, selling books to people. And I definitely see piracy hurting those numbers. Well, do you guys go to conventions often? Because one of the things you'll see at conventions now is more and more authors having their own booths and selling their books. And there are other authors like myself. My wife has set up an online store so people can buy like signed copies of my books. Now, obviously, we can't compete with Amazon in terms of price, but you know, just going by the basic, the regular price of a book, if you will. But authors are doing that now because a lot of authors are doing that now because it, it's just harder. It's just harder to um, to get the numbers. I saw something where um, this is not uh, author related, but there's a, there's a group called Wu Tang Clan that res- they released a uh, album, and there was only one copy of the album, <laughs> and, and they <laughs> sold it for like ten thousand or twenty thousand dollars or something. So maybe the future is authors, you know, maybe only releasing certain items on a subscription basis or something like that, that would help prevent, prevent the issue. I know there's sites like Patreon now where you can, uh, support authors or support artists by giving them money directly, kind of like Kickstarter. Uh, I know Kickstarter is a big thing for artists and creative people now. So, uh, maybe, maybe that's where publishing is headed more, crowdfunded kind of stuff for people who are interested in giving money to the artist directly. It could be. The other thing, I, I do know authors who will, if they're doing a convention, maybe write a novella and have it printed out and the only place you can get it is at the convention and then they can, you know, so it'll obviously be marked way up. I, I know several authors who do that. As far as Kickstarter goes, I mean, crowdfunding, the biggest problem I have with the ones I've seen is that I I'm a, I'm a finance guy, and I know numbers. I know numbers like nobody. <laughs> I mean, it's unreal. And I know the costs involved because I've done a Kickstarter. And I will get, um, you know, hey, can you look at my Kickstarter? And, and I go and look at the Kickstarter, and, and I look at the amount of money they're going to make on the Kickstarter 
based on the units that they're hoping to sell and whatever. And, and, and I realized that if the Kickstarter funds, it's going to cost them money. They're going to lose money on it in addition to all the time they put in. And, you know, you try to explain that and say, you know, you really need to do a lot more than what you want to fund this or you're going to lose your shirt. Yeah, I think maybe, like you said, <laughs> nobody really knows what's going to happen next. That's kind of scary, I think, for readers and writers because we don't know what the future holds. And hopefully it's positive stuff and not horrible, grim, darky kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm optimistic. I, I'm optimistic that um, you know it'll, it'll even out. And the, the people – well, first of all, you know, my advice to anyone who wants to be an author is, is really simple. It's, it's if you can quit, quit. And if you can't quit, you're a writer because if you are a writer – if you, you, that means you have stories inside of you that are screaming to get out. And unless you get them out, you're never going to be happy. It's that simple. So write the book and then worry about publishing the book. And if you go that way and, and you treat the journey of writing the book as, as a blessing, as, a, um, as part of who you are, as your way of making sense of the world, then the rest of it will fall in place and, and people will be writing good books. It's that simple. Well, I haven't quit so far, so I guess I'm a writer. <laughs> oh. <laughs> If you're writing, you're a writer. I mean, does that mean you're going to be a successful publishing writer? I don't know. There's so many things that go into it. Everybody has a different way of reading a book. Everybody has a different way of writing a book. There is no one perfect book. So I'm not going to say it's a crapshoot, but perseverance and talent matter and being in the right place at the right time matters. And, and just striking a chord that, that resonates with enough people matters. But you got to get to those people first, right? I mean, it's, it doesn't just happen out of the blue. Well, Archmage, Archmage, Archmage is available in stores everywhere right now. Uh, Bob, you're in the midst of a huge uh, book tour for this release, correct? Well, this week's easy because I'm home and I'm I'm doing the local the local New England area. But yeah, I'm out again next week on on the road out, all the way out to the West Coast. So yeah, it's a big tour. It's the biggest I think I've ever done for a Wizards book. The only tour I think I've done bigger than this one is um, when I did the novelization for Attack of the Clones. Excellent, excellent. So for folks who want to check out uh, the stops on your tour, they can head over to rasalvatore.com and get all the information and find out where they can connect with you. And as far as uh, social media goes, where can folks find you online, Bob? They can find me at Facebook at capital R period, capital A period, space Salvatore. Um, they can find my books at rasalvastore.com. There's also a Facebook page for that um, if they want to get signed books. And on Twitter, you can get me at, at R underscore Ace underscore Salvatore, all lowercase. And I'm on Instagram as well it's, for, the for the same the same thing on Instagram, which is just starting up. I'm, now I'm trying to, trying to keep up with these, these new things that keep coming out <laughs> I'll have something new next week, probably a new. Yeah, oh, actually, we have, a, we have we now have a Demon Wars Reformation Facebook page as well for the RPG that I did the Kickstarter for, the Demon Wars Reformation RPG. This is the lightning round, and our contestant is Mr. R. A. Salvatore of Drizdo Erden Underdark Archmage fame. He's going to answer as many questions as he can in the shortest amount of time allotted. Favorite food? Chicken. Favorite beverage? Maker's Mark. <laughs> nice. Uh, best band ever. Fleetwood Mac. Cat person or dog person? Both. Are you taking any multivitamins? Many. Do I look fat in this? Yes. <laughs> okay, favorite Dungeons and Dragons class? Monk. 
uh, scariest Dungeons and Dragons monster. Mummy. <laughs> For many it's reasons. An early mummy. game, I was scared. Go ahead. <laughs> Most disgusting Dungeons and Dragons monster. Gibbering Mother. Ah, I was going to say that. Nice. That or Gelatinous Cube. Both are pretty disgusting. Uh, what's the worst critical failure you've seen in a campaign? It was actually in the EverQuest game. I was a, the wizard, and I teleported the party into the middle of the renewed Kazakh Thule, which is a really bad place. And we got jumped, and they said, hit evac. And I thought I was hitting evac, and I was hitting teleport Kazakh. And I, I teleported us right back where we were. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty bad failure. What about best critical hit, natural 20? Best critical hit, natural 20 happened when I was DMing a game. I attacked these guys with a Titan, and they didn't even have their <laughs> weapons with them. And the guy threw a just a regular carpenter's hammer at it, and he rolled a 20. And in that group, you could roll percentage dice to determine if it's a critical, you know, how bad it is. Double damage, triple damage, instant kill. And he rolled a 0-0%, you know, 100%, and he killed the Titan with a hammer. Nice. <laughs> and then the, wor the worst one than that was when a paladin, I was in the campaign, I was running a campaign that was all about jousting, and my buddy built his paladin, he got his war horse finally, and he built all his armor, and he went into the joust, and they had a deck of cards to see who we were rolling against, and he pulled out, you could get a prince, you could get another rival knight, you could get whatever, and he got a peasant on a pig with a broomstick, who rolled a 20 <laughs> double zero against him and killed him on the first pass. <laughs> and he quit the group. <laughs> Just rage quit. I didn't know there was rage quitting in Dungeons and Dragons. I thought that was more of a video game thing. But Well, he was the same guy that got on the wrong end of a Wubba Wubba wand. And if you ever go to YouTube, look up Ari Salvatore Wubba Wubba, and you'll, <laughs> you'll hear a good story. <laughs> but go ahead. Uh, favorite spell. Asking too long questions. Come on. Yeah, so, sorry. Favorite spell. Favorite spell. Magic missile. Uh, favorite weapon. Um, scimitar. Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and this is one uh, bonus one. Your favorite Peanuts character that's not Snoopy. Oh, my God. You just hit my, like, favorite thing ever in my life is Peanuts. <laughs> I'm like, Linus, of course. I, I am a Charlie Brown freak. I, I have first edition Charlie Brown books from the early 60s. I, Charles Schultz is like my sage. Linus. Yeah, I did my research. It's got to be Linus. <laughs> Actually, it's funny because my brother was like Linus when he was a kid. He used to have this blue blanket he would carry everywhere. Perfect. We used to call him Linus. And he was like, what? What does that mean? You'll you'll find out later. <laughs> okay, that ends the lightning round. Yay. Thunder crashing. The crowd goes wild. Bob, it's been a thrill and an honor and a pleasure to uh, speak with you tonight. Best of luck with the release of Archmage, and thank you so much for uh, coming on the show tonight. It's been fantastic. Thanks for having me on. It was yes. fun. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, and I just want to say it's really surreal for me to be talking to you because I carried your books everywhere. <laughs> so it's like really been like a very surreal week for me leading up to this. So thank you very much for talking to us. I really, really appreciate it. Well, very kind of you to say so. Thanks. And there we have it. The conclusion of our interview with Bob Salvatore. Thanks again to Bob for coming on the show. And thank you to Wizards of the Coast for facilitating our chat. Be sure to pick up your copy of Archmage, available in stores now. And we are giving away not one, but two copies 
of Archmage, and it's very easy to enter to win. All you have to do is share the show. Share this episode, share the first episode, share any episode, and be sure to tag us so we see the post. It's open to U.S. residents only. Please, only one entry per person. The deadline to enter is the end of the month, so September 30th, 2015, after which we will pick two winners and we will ship you your copy of Arc Mage. So be sure to share the show and get in on the goodies. Yeah, we also hope you enjoyed our chat with Salvatore. And we did our very first lightning round this time. And this is going to be an ongoing thing you're going to be hearing a lot of. So if you like the lightning round, let us know. We're going to shoot some more lightning at you. <laughs> That's like a level one spell. Cast lightning, I think. That's level three. Oh, is it? Okay. Get your shit right, Rob. <laughs> you can find us on Facebook. We're uh, facebook.com slash the Grim Tidings podcast. Or we're on Twitter at Grim Dark Fiction. We do have a Facebook group as well. It's called Grim Dark Fiction Readers and Writers. That's where we kind of hang out every day and discuss this nerdy shit that we talk about on the podcast. So if you're on Facebook, be sure to pop in and say hi and join the conversation over there as well. We've got Dave Robinson from the Roundtable Podcast coming on the show. We've also got Sebastian DeCastell and Mazarkis Williams all on deck. So be sure to listen. We've got some exciting episodes still to come your way. Thanks to all the new followers on Twitter and Facebook. It's great to meet more people. And if you love the show, be sure to share the show. And if you can, leave a review. One star, five star, whatever. <laughs> right, Phil? Yeah, whatever. Whatever you want. <laughs> whatever you want, man. Of course, we prefer five stars. Uh, but, you know. It's a review. So until next time, stay grim, stay dark and and stay true. I think would be my words of wisdom to impart to you today. Philip, thanks for hanging out, my friend. Yes. Thanks for having me. I love being on this show. You sound like it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So until next time, take care. Bye, everybody. Ginger Ginger Under Dark Hi, this is Bob Salvatore and you're listening to the Grim Tidings Podcast. It's like listening to toilet water. <laughs>